Welcome to Season 1 of Pick the Plot. I'm Rebecca McKinnon, your host for this interactive story experience. Together, we'll travel through an original story. A story that's being written as we go, so you can have a say in what happens. This season, we're experiencing a Regency story. Will it be an adventure? A fish-out-of-water story? Or a sweet romance? Maybe it will be a combination of all three. It's up to the listeners, driven by each choice you make. Because on this podcast, the listeners get to pick the plot. When we left Marianne, she had been snatched by men who were after Oliver. She was trying to decide if she should tell them Oliver had gone to the country if she should wait and hope Charles and Jasper were able to find her, or if she should fight back and try to escape. Forty-six percent of you chose to have Marianne fight back. Episode 6. Leaving Scars and Taking Leave The large hand over Marianne's mouth was coarse, and the man's sour breath turned her stomach as he whispered horrors into her ear. Marianne tried not to listen to his words as she took in her surroundings, Stone walls lined the landing where they stood, and if she turned her head she could just make out a staircase out of the corner of her eye. The man across from her, who was average in every way, continued to grin as he inspected his fingernails. He looked back to her and feigned pity. I do regret it's come to this. Perhaps once your friend learns we're holding you, he'll see his way to repaying his debt. So they didn't plan to release her. Marianne tried to speak, but her words were lost against the rough palm. "'You must be asking how we'll let him know.' The man's eyes sparkled, and Marianne realized there was a good chance the man was mad. "'You'll tell us where to find him, and we'll send him one of your fingers every day until he turns up, or until you've run out of them. Then we'll have to find some other part of you to send.' Marianne shuddered, and as her arm dropped to her side, her parasol scraped against the wall. Without quite realizing what she was doing, she collapsed the parasol. The man who held her tightened his arm around her waist and lifted her a bit more. She could feel his chest against her back rising and falling as he breathed. Her toes no longer brushed the ground, and Marianne found herself getting angry. How dare these men grab her as they had! Charles and Jasper would be beside themselves. And what of Grandmother and Mrs. Knight? They hadn't even known there was a danger— the men ignored Marianne as they discussed their plan to remove her from the tower. She half listened to them, but her mind was on escape. Even if she couldn't free herself, there must be a way to make such a scene on the way out of the menagerie that they'd have to let her go. The nondescript man. Oh, such ridiculousness. She couldn't go on calling him things like that, even in her head. Mr. Anyone, then. And the man holding her? She'd call him Mr. Thug. Mr. Anyone cracked the door and set his eye to the crack. The Taurus moved on. Marianne considered what she had that might do in a fight. Her reticule still hung on her wrist, but what was inside? A handkerchief, certainly, but that would do no good. Her fan. That might do if she could remove it without garnering attention. Or her parasol. It did end in quite a nice point. Mr. Anyone turned back to her with a frown. You'll walk quietly. Don't draw attention or it will be worse for you when we get you alone. 
Mr. Thug growled something in her ear, but she didn't pay him any mind. She was too busy wondering where Charles and Jasper had gone if the tour had moved on. When Mr. Anyone swung the door wide, Marianne gripped her parasol. Flipping it around, she jabbed the tip of it over her shoulder. Mr. Thug howled and dropped her. Marianne tried not to look at the blood streaming down his face. Taking advantage of his distraction, she shoved him. His foot caught against the first step, and he lost his balance. She'd have liked to take a moment to enjoy the sight of him sprawled on the stairs, limbs flailing in the air as he tried to catch his breath. But there was still Mr. Anyone to deal with. Tightening her hold on the parasol, she whirled just as Mr. Anyone made a dive for her. She wrapped him smartly over the head, noticing with dismay that the wound she'd given Mr. Thug had splashed blood on the pale fabric of the parasol and dashed into the open air, slamming the door closed behind her. The door wouldn't hold them, of course, but the feeling of having something between herself and the men was a relief. She didn't pause to look around. Not knowing what lay beyond where she'd been, Marianne turned and began to run back toward the entrance of the menagerie. The animals grew louder, as if they could sense her distress. As she approached the lion's den, she could hear feet pounding against the stone. Marianne glanced behind her. They were gaining on her. Where had everyone gone? Surely the menagerie shouldn't feel so empty. She began looking for a place to hide. As she did, she saw Miss Fanny. The lioness held her gaze. At a shout behind Marianne, Miss Fanny narrowed her golden eyes and lashed her tail. Without so much as considering the action, Marianne ran toward Miss Fanny. Mr. Anyone and Mr. Thug followed, shouting at her. For the length of a single breath, Marianne and Miss Fanny stood face to face, separated only by bars. The lioness's whiskers twitched. She looked past Marianne and growled long and low. The hairs on the back of Marianne's neck rose, but the frantic need to escape disappeared. She felt safe. She turned outward and saw her pursuers. Mr. Thug stood still, holding a handkerchief against the hole the tip of her parasol had left in his cheek. Mr. Anyone slinked forward, keeping an eye on Miss Fanny as he approached. Marianne leaned as far back as she could, pressing tight against the bars. She could feel the lioness shifting against the other side of the bars. Just as Mr. Anyone reached out to grab her, the lioness stretched out a paw and raked her claws down his arm, leaving his coat and his skin shredded. He screamed, the sound echoing off the stone walls. Through the echoes, Marianne heard shouts and the sound of running. Mr. Anyone's face twisted in hate. He slapped Marianne with his unwounded hand. Miss Fanny roared and swatted at him again. Anger filled Marianne. The man had threatened her. He'd tried to kidnap her, and now he dared to lash out at her. She realized she was growling nearly as loudly as Miss Fanny. Refusing to be outdone by the lioness, Marianne reached up and raked her fingernails across the man's face. Even if he escaped now, he would never again blend into the background. He could no longer be anyone. He'd only ever be himself. As people gathered to watch the spectacle, Marianne turned and reached through the bars to stroke Miss Fanny's nose. Behind her, she could hear voices, questions, arguing. She ignored them all and reached deeper into the cage to scratch the lioness's jaw as if she were a kitten. Miss Fanny leaned into Marianne's hand and purred. 
Eventually, Marianne had to acknowledge the ruckus behind her, if for no other reason than to convince the keeper she was in no danger from Miss Fanny, even if the lioness had mauled Mr. Anyone. After promising Miss Fanny she'd visit the next time she was in London, as she knew it would be pointless to ask to take the lioness to the country with her, Marianne reluctantly walked over to join Charles and Jasper. "'What happened?' Charles demanded. Jasper rolled his eyes, keeping hold of Mr. Thug's arm. "'What happened to this one's face?' "'I'm afraid he got in the way of my parasol,' she frowned as she inspected the ruined fabric. "'Unfortunately, he had such bad manners as to bleed on it.' Jasper laughed, but Charles was still frowning. Marianne sighed. "'As you expected, they came after me. I was lucky enough to break free, and Miss Fanny over there came to my aid.' She glanced at the lioness. The large eyes were still on her, and Miss Fanny might have been grinning, if an animal could be said to grin. "'I'll take these two to see their boss.' Mr. Thug's face blanched. "'We'll see you back at Berkeley Square, then.' Charles took Marianne's arm. "'Grandmother and Mrs. Knight are waiting outside the tower. We thought it best to remove them to safety while we looked for you.' Marianne nodded. The ordeal had worn her out, and she desperately wanted to collapse on her bed. With a final look at Miss Fanny, she let Charles lead her away. The weight of the lioness's gaze followed them. "'You're not wearing that outside the house!' Mrs. Thistlewaite frowned at Marianne's dress. "'I won't have you wearing it in the house, either. Not even a street urchin would be seen in such a thing.' Marianne took a deep breath, cursing herself for not realizing her mother was in the dining room. Had she been paying better attention, it would have been obvious. The servants were abandoning their posts faster than rats fleeing a sinking ship. "'I'm afraid you no longer get to dictate what I wear, mother.' Marianne smoothed the skirt of the green muslin her mother had insisted she have made in the spring. The color was all wrong for her, and Marianne only wore it under duress. It had seemed the perfect dress to ruin by splitting the skirt.' It's not quite the thing, I agree, but I'm putting it to good use. But your lovely dress, I had that dress made specially for you. Mrs. Thistlewaite's mouth twisted and her eyes were wide with horror. It's ruined. It wasn't ruined. It was redesigned for a different purpose. It was easier to sit astride a horse when one's skirt didn't insist on sliding up near one's waist. Splitting the skirt as she had may not have been an acceptable fashion, but it allowed for a greater amount of decency. Mrs. Thistlewit would not spoil the loveliness of this morning, and Marianne refused to give up her cheerfulness. She was free of the constant chaperoning of her brother and Jasper, and she was going to enjoy it if she had to send her mother into a faint and have the poor servants carry her to her room. It might have been lovely on the right person. Marianne hated to admit even that much. She leaned across the table for a slice of toast and bit into it without bothering to sit down. I spent good money on that dress and you've spoiled it! Mrs. Thistlewaite drew herself up to her full height, but the effect was marred not only by the fact that she was seated, but by the crumbs trailing down her front. "'I've half a mind not to purchase any more dresses for you. When you realize the extravagant gowns your grandmother purchased aren't appropriate to a life in the country, you'll be sorry, and I don't believe I'll accept your apology.' "'Come now, mother, it's not as if you spent your own money on the monstrosity.' Charles leaned in the doorway. Mrs. Thistlewaite's hand fluttered at her neck. "'Of course it is!' "'I distinctly remember receiving the bill for it.' "'Just because you settled the bill doesn't mean you'd covered the cost. "'The income from the property has always been mine.' 
Miss Thistlewaite turned back to her breakfast, certain she'd had the final word. Charles sat beside Mrs. Thistlewaite and raised an eyebrow at Marianne before looking at their mother, his face a mask of forced calm. "'The money and property are in my name. I provide you a generous stipend given the income from the land. Perhaps it's time for you to use it to cover things such as your wardrobe, rather than spending indiscriminately and having the bill sent to me.' "'and I must insist you allow Marianne to select her own clothing. "'I will, of course, cover the expense. "'Even if I hadn't promised Father to care for her, I'd choose to do so.' "'Marianne noticed the last of the servants in the hallway, "'scurrying down the servants' staircase. "'No doubt the maid would be welcomed with the news "'of the conversation she'd overheard. "'Your sister should be married by now. "'I had such high hopes for Lord Humphreys, "'but after the rumors I've heard here in town, "'I'm certain he won't have her.' Mrs. Thistlewaite dabbed at her dry eyes with her napkin, oblivious to the streak of egg yolk the action transferred to her cheek. When no one reacted to her faked tears, she turned on Marianne. "'They're saying the most horrid things about you, my dear. Exposing your ankles and your calves in the park like some light skirt. Just yesterday I heard someone claim you'd mauled a man alongside a lion at the menagerie. Ridiculous, of course, but people believed it.' "'It's said you've been all through London riding astride. "'It wouldn't be the first time you've done such a thing, "'but I thought getting rid of your horse would cure you of that nasty habit.' "'Selling my horse was despicable even for you.' "'Marianne forced herself to appear calm. "'She should have been over the betrayal, "'but it was the one thing she couldn't forgive. "'That horse was the last thing Father ever gave me.' "'Mrs. Thistlewaite had the grace to look uncomfortable.' Marianne took a deep breath and tried to smile. However, I'd be happy to assure you that each and every one of those rumors is true, although both Grandmother and Mrs. Knight participated as well. Not with the mauling, I suppose, but my new friend Miss Fanny was more than enough help. She's a lioness, you know. Mrs. Thistlewaite wailed. Marianne rolled her eyes at Charles. From your dress, I'm guessing you're off for a ride. "'Charles gestured behind Mrs. Thistlewaite's back, encouraging her to go. "'You're welcome to my horse, or I'm certain Jasper wouldn't mind if you'd rather ride his. "'I'll take yours if you truly don't mind. "'I just wanted to go to the park one last time before we leave tomorrow.' "'As Marianne left the room, Mrs. Thistlewaite's wails grew more and more dramatic. "'I even heard someone saying they remembered there was some scandal about Marianne "'the last time she came to London. "'Charles!' "'What are we going to do? "'If word gets out that she was compromised by an earl "'and refused to marry him, "'any chance she has for marriage will be lost.' "'Charles's voice was soft, "'and Marianne barely noticed that she'd hesitated to hear better. "'Can you not see how you're pushing her away? "'If you can't accept her as she is, "'if you continue to make her miserable, she'll leave. "'You claim you're doing what's best for her. "'You may even believe it. "'But I won't lose her because you want to live her life.' Mrs. Thistlewaite's spluttering finally turned into words. "'You're supposed to be on my side. "'If she continues to behave as she has been, "'her reputation will be beyond saving. "'She'll never marry, and you'll spend the rest of your life "'wishing you'd listened to me.' Marianne shook her head and continued on to the stable. She didn't need to hear Charles's response. He'd proven time and again that nothing she did, no scandal she caused, no mistake she made, could change the fact that her brother would always stand with her.
The park was busy, but not overly so. The oppressive heat of the previous week had lessened, and more people were taking the opportunity to escape their homes. Marianne turned away from the ring, wanting to explore the area on the far side of the serpentine. The trees offered the illusion of being alone, and a scattering of benches offered places for people to rest and enjoy the chance to be in nature. London wasn't as terrible as she remembered. It could have been that the last time she'd come, Mrs. Thistlewaite had seen to it that Marianne was wrapped up in the whirl of the season, or the small matter of the scandal. Perhaps being older and no longer caring that her mother saw her as little more than a disappointment played a part. The reason didn't matter. Marianne had made her peace with London, and while she still preferred the country, she could understand the appeal of coming to town. As Marianne rode out of a stand of trees, the sound of children playing made her smile. She hadn't so much as seen any children since leaving home. She turned the horse toward the sound. A small boy was running from a man who, judging by his behavior, could have been a child as well. The boy struggled to stay on his feet, his giggles strong enough to knock him over. Two older girls sat at easels as a woman stood over them. With a playful roar, the man ran at the girls and swung the smaller of them into his arms. The girl squealed. When her feet met the ground, she giggled and pointed at a streak of paint she'd left on his cheek. Their joy was contagious, and what was left of Marianne's annoyance with Mrs. Thistlewaite disappeared. On a whim, she turned the horse toward the family. The woman noticed Marianne's presence and said something to the others. The girls returned to their painting, while the man scooped the young boy into his arms. Marianne drew the horse to a stop and slid from his back. "'I'm sorry, I didn't mean to intrude, but you were all having such a lovely time, and it reminded me of the time I spent with my father when I was young.' "'Your father didn't have the ability to act his age, either?' The woman's lips twitched as she glanced at her husband. Marianne liked the woman immediately. "'It was one of the reasons we lived in the country. "'He was free to behave as he liked, "'and no one bothered my mother with tales of his adventures. "'We don't stay in London often, either.' "'The woman's laugh was light. "'Mr. Stewart, I do believe we've just made a friend of a rare lady.' "'I'm not a lady, just a miss.' much to my mother's chagrin. Marianne grinned. She introduced herself and, at Mrs. Stewart's invitation, joined them on a blanket they'd spread out. The younger girl's eyes widened as she saw Marianne's split skirt. Your mother let you wear a dress that's not a dress? Lissa! Mrs. Stewart's embarrassment was palpable. It would have been easy to laugh, but the girl's eyes were so serious Marianne couldn't. She tried to stop me. My mother cares very much what other people think, much more than I care. I'm old enough, though, to make my own choices, and I have an older brother, Charles, who helps me get away with things like this. Lissa's face dropped. My brother is too little to help. That horse belongs to Charles. When I use his saddle, a dress like this makes riding easier. You use your brother's saddle? Her jaw hung open. Marianne nodded. Sometimes. At home, I don't use a saddle at all. Lissa turned to her father. I want to ride like Miss Thistlewaite. May I? Oh, dear. Marianne tried to apologize, but Mr. Stewart waved her words away. When we're in the country, of course. I'd imagine it's a good skill for anyone to have. The older girl came over to the blanket, her eyes lit with fire that left no doubt she'd easily turn the heads of young men when she graced ballrooms in a few years. She gave her sister a look of contempt. Lissa gave up, but I'm still trying to paint. It doesn't look right, Mother. Fix it. You know I'm not a painter, Emma, 
Mrs. Stewart frowned at her daughter. Even if I knew how to fix it, I wouldn't. It's your painting and needs to be your own work. But may I see your painting? Marianne leaned toward the girl. I'm hopeless at many things, but painting isn't one of them. Perhaps I could give you some suggestions. Emma's frown matched her mother's. You could fix it for me. Marianne didn't need the glance from Mrs. Stewart to keep her from agreeing. She shook her head. I'm happy to help, but the paintbrush needs to be in your hand. Fixing your own mistakes is the best way to learn. The painting showed promise, and Marianne told Emma as much. Before the girl could become too smug, Marianne pointed out ways it could be improved. She watched as Emma attempted the changes, and gave yet more suggestions. By the time Marianne returned to Mr. and Mrs. Stewart, Emma's painting was much improved. You've made such a difference for her. Mr. Stewart watched his daughter for a moment. She was smiling at her canvas. Have you considered giving lessons? Marianne laughed. There aren't enough young ladies near my home that I'd have any students. Mrs. Stewart smiled. We're just outside of Bath. If you ever decide you're interested, come find us. There are plenty of young ladies who'd like to improve their skills. As Marianne mounted the horse and headed back to Berkeley Square, she thought about the offer. She'd enjoyed helping Emma, but home wasn't anywhere near Bath. Still, not having to rely on anyone else for her support was a tempting idea. Marianne watched as the maid packed the last of her new gowns into the trunk. She didn't imagine she'd have the opportunity for such finery at home, but she had to admit she'd enjoyed dressing so nicely. A footman appeared to carry the trunk downstairs, and Marianne went through the bedroom and small sitting room again, looking for anything that had been forgotten in the rush of the morning. Not finding anything, she made her way downstairs. Grandmother was standing in the doorway, supervising the servants as they loaded the trunks onto the carriages. No, that trunk goes on this carriage. Yes, of course it matters. That small case can go in that carriage. I'll want it along the way. She's impressive. Jasper was in the library, and Marianne went to watch out the window alongside him. She's been directing them ever since they brought the carriages around. The last of the trunks were organized, and a maid carried hampers of food to each carriage. As Grandmother joined them, Mrs. Thistlewaite's voice carried down the stairs. She was complaining about something or other. Grandmother closed the door to muffle the sound. Will you be on your horse, Jasper, or in a carriage? And what about Charles? Grandmother's nostrils flared, and she glanced toward the door. I will not be forced to ride with that woman. I know she's your mother, Marianne, but I cannot spend that much time listening to her complain about the ruts in the road, or the dust, or whatever else. Jasper paled. I'll saddle my horse. Grandmother nodded. Marianne, you'll ride with me. Marianne didn't need convincing. The door opened. Charles was running his hand over his face. Mother's in fine form this morning. She's arguing over everything. It turns out she had hopes for this trip, and nothing happened the way she planned. Ignoring the sound of Mrs. Thistlewaite's attempt to give final orders to servants who didn't work for her, they went outside. Marianne followed Grandmother into the carriage and sat facing her. She couldn't help noticing the way the food hamper and the small case Grandmother had insisted the footman's store inside were arranged to fill up the remainder of the space. You weren't taking any chances, were you? Grandmother's eyes glinted. And aren't you glad? Charles stood ready to close the door, and behind him Jasper was already on his horse. Are you waiting for Mother to come out? Marianne and I have one last stop to make before we leave town. 
If we don't stop at the same inn, don't worry. My driver will see us looked after. You just don't want to travel with Mother. Of course we don't, Grandmother agreed. You'll handle her just fine on your own. Marianne wasn't surprised when they pulled up outside Mrs. Knight's home, but when Mrs. Knight stepped outside, followed by a large trunk being carried by two of the servants, she sat forward with a start. I can still surprise you, can't I, my dear? Grandmother patted Marianne's knee and smiled. She moved the small trunk. It didn't take up nearly as much space as it had appeared. Come sit with me. The driver was opening the door for Mrs. Knight as the trunk was loaded onto the carriage. With a fair amount of huffing, Mrs. Knight climbed inside and smoothed her skirt. Did we surprise you? Marianne grinned. You did. I had no idea you were joining us, Mrs. Knight. It's Granny, she corrected. I do insist. It wasn't until they were some distance outside London, and they were enjoying the meal the kitchen staff had sent along, that Grandmother turned to Marianne with a gleam in her eye. We're nearly to the crossroads. It's time we decide where we're going. I thought we were going home. Of course we are. The question remains, are we going to your home or to mine? Grandmother sat back, pleased with herself. I've always considered Meekford Cottage to be your home, my dear, no matter what your mother says. We can go there and avoid the woman for a while. The grandmothers exchanged a glance, heavy with meaning Marianne didn't quite grasp. Granny wiped the chicken grease from her fingers. Or we could join your family at your brother's house, where I'm certain my grandson will be anxiously awaiting your arrival. It's completely up to you. We'll go wherever you like. Marianne stared from one grandmother to the other. Was there something they weren't saying? Were they after another adventure? Were they hoping she'd prove something with her choice? She sighed. If she tried to understand the older women and any secret hopes they had, the choice would never be made. Did she want to go to Meekford Cottage, or was she ready to go home? What will happen in our next episode? That's for you to decide. Voting will be open for one week at rebeccamckinnon.com slash pickthepot. I hope you enjoyed today's episode, and I look forward to seeing where our story goes from here. Thanks for joining me. Thanks for joining me.